Welcome to MicroCollege. This time on the podcast, we are thrilled to have with us Carrie McWilliams, who is the executive director of the Gap Year Association. And we're speaking with you. Uh, this interview is happening in middle of September, and uh, when the, when it is released to when you're, you're listening to this, it'll be um, after the first of October. And uh, one of the reasons we're talking is October is Gap Year Exploration Month. So we're excited to to learn uh, a bit about the Gap Year movement as a whole and about the Gap Year Association. And yeah, this is this is a growing field and uh, a really exciting development in in the landscape of higher education. So thank you for joining us, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. I'm a fan of the podcast, so exciting to to have our own episode focusing on on gap years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Carrie McWilliams joined the Gap Year Association as the organization's ex- executive director in January of 2022. Born and raised in Montana, Carrie currently resides in Missoula, Montana. With over 20 years of experience in program management, board governance, and nonprofit finance. Carrie has worked for and consulted with a variety of nonprofit organizations over her professional career. In addition to her nonprofit work, she also served as an adjunct professor of nonprofit administration at the University of Montana for eight years. It was through her own gap year experience with AmeriCorps that Carrie developed her interest in and passion for the nonprofit sector. During her gap year, she lived in community with 16 other young adults while volunteering at a large homeless shelter in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. Carrie holds a Bachelor of Science in Health Promotion from the University of Montana and a Master's Degree in Public Administration from, with a Certificate in Nonprofit Administration from the University of Oregon. When not in the office or the classroom, she can be found on an adventure of some sort involving hiking, backpacking, cycling, and kayaking with her canine companion, Kona. It's me. <laughs> yeah. so, so you point to it here. Um, it's, uh, as, a, as a fan of the podcast, you'll know um, that we, we're really interested in people's own experiences during during their young adulthood, during this age range when a lot of people are doing gap years, although maybe we can talk about whether that also fits into other times of life. That's a question certainly I get asked. Um, but could you tell us, take us to that period when, when you were doing a gap year and, and in general, that period when you were 18 to 24 years old, um, what what were what were the the big influences on your life and and uh, and, and how does that shape where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you always start with this question, Jacob. It's it's fascinating to to hear people's personal stories at that um, stage in life. And for myself, um, my gap year came um, a, a bit later than what we're, we'll likely talk about uh, later in the podcast in terms of what's defined as a maybe a more traditional time. For students, but um, I'm actually a, a first generation college student. So I was the first in my family uh, to go to school. And I grew up in a family in which myself and my siblings, we were fully supported by our parents to do whatever makes us happy. You know, so there wasn't a pressure or an influence um, to necessarily automatically consider college as the next step. I think I just as easily could have said, I'm going to join the circus. And my parents would have said, great, if that makes you happy, do it. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to go to college. But at that time, my worldview was still pretty small. You know, I mentioned you read in my bio that I was born and raised in Montana. And I only considered universities within Montana. And so I attended the University of Montana right out, out of, of high school. And I've always been someone who enjoys learning and studying different subjects. And so I took a lot of different courses and I had a hard time settling on a, a specific major to to the degree of it took me five and a half years to get my undergrad. And I didn't 
that wasn't because I wasn't performing well academically or I was taking a break. I just had so many interests. And in fact, when I finally decided on a major, the advisor that I, I met with, who's since become a very, very dear family friend, looked at my my transcript and said, my gosh, who was your advisor? Like, why, why do you have all these courses? You know, and I said, no, no, I chose to take astronomy and written oral traditions of Native American studies and, and all of these because I was interested in them. And the only thing, Jacob, that, that forced me to, to finally graduate after five and a half years was that a new policy was being implemented within the university system in the state of Montana that said, if you're an in-state resident and you exceed a certain number of credits, we're going to start charging you out-of-state tuition. So I said, <laughs> okay, well, I better I better buckle up and, and finish up and get out of here. And so... Um, so despite that that love of learning and knowing that I, I wanted to continue on an academic path, after graduating from college, I made a very intentional decision um, in, in recognizing that I wasn't ready for graduate school. I wasn't ready to jump into a nine to five job. And I wanted to have an experience um, in which I could give back to my community. I could experience a new place. I could grow personally and professionally. And I decided to do what I called at that time, a year of service. Hmm. And I called it that for myself because in 2002, the term gap year wasn't a part of my vocabulary. I mean, it, it, it was happening. We can talk about the history of gap years later, but I didn't know that term. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. And um, I went on to have that experience. I, tr I lived out of state for the first time. I lived in community with other young adults. And it was the single most transformative experience of my life in terms of helping me to identify who I am, what my values are, and what I wanted to do in follow-up to that next stage of life in terms of what I wanted to pursue for my graduate degree and what I wanted to do for a career. And it was in that moment that I knew that, that the nonprofit world was where I wanted to be. And so... The fact that now I'm the executive director of the Gap Year Association very much feels like a full circle moment from that beginning time that you originally asked to to where I am now in in my life. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that you. Know, I was starting as a teacher uh, not too long after 2002, and as a, as a high school counselor, and I really definitely the, the growth of the of just the concept and and the acceptance of the idea of gap years is something that is a real phenomenon that. That I've been aware of, but your story also resonates with my own in that um, I, you know, I took a year between years of college um, to, I, I worked for Deep Springs College as a cowboy um, for a few months, and I did some international travel, and then I did a, a teaching internship back here at, at home in Wisconsin, and it was only several years into actually working on Thoreau College and like talking about gap years to people to realize that, oh, wait, actually, I did a gap year. Yes, yes. I totally didn't use that term or even think about it even long after I was telling people about gap years in the past. And it is all the things that, that go into these international travel, work, you know, trying out a career, mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. Absolutely. I think I think for people of our of our generation, that realization does come. Now that gap years are talked about more, they're you know more widely accepted. Many people, and it's not just the two of us that have that revelation. Like, oh wait, I I did that. I did that. Too. <laughs> that was I good didn't too. Didn't call it that. <laughs> it was a good idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, wonderful. Can you can you talk a bit more about that your specific gap year experience with AmeriCorps? That sounds like a really rich rich experience. Yeah, it was uh, very much so. 
So the program that I um, landed on within AmeriCorps was actually through um, Catholic Charities within uh, the this, the Twin Cities in St. Paul and Minnesota. And it was structured that way because at the time, Catholic Charities was the largest social service service provider in the Twin Cities. And so they had um, programs, uh, operations like the one I was involved in, in terms of the homeless shelter, but there was everything from refugee resettlement to working with older adults to, to working with uh, youth that were in uh, foster care. And so each of my my 16 housemates, we were all working at a different um, site within that Catholic Charities Network. And um, and so we would, you know, spend our days um, in, in a variety of different service uh, capacities and then come home to our shared community living environment where we'd prepare meals together, um, plan, you know, excursions for the weekends and, and other activities. And so while our experience was largely, you know, in that um, spirit of, of service and volunteerism and in work, there were additional elements that were built in that still allowed us um, to explore, you know, uh, the cultural experiences that were available within the city and the outdoor pursuits um, within uh, within the state of Minnesota and the neighboring um, states. It was actually at that time that I discovered uh, the state where you're from, you know, my affinity for Wisconsin and getting out into some of the trails and woods in that that area. Um, but it was, it was certainly an experience that allowed, I think, all of us to to find ourselves on a, on a new level in terms of um, what what was inspiring us in regards to the work that we wanted to do moving forward. Uh, for some of us, it was, you know, a, a clear indication of like, actually, no, this isn't the path I want to continue on. Um, for me, as I shared earlier, it, it did open that that door to how I wanted to spend my career moving forward. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think having having a cohort, you know, a group of colleagues like that, having shared experiences, somewhat different, but but having a place to, to meet together is really an important part of, of of things I've been I've seen happen. That shared experience. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so you mentioned you know the history of the idea of the gap year, and I think it's it's you know a, a growing awareness you know in 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 the United States, um, but has a much longer history as as a concept in all, elsewhere in the world. Um, yeah, can you take us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. How does what's the history of this this concept and this and, and this idea? Yeah, you know, I mean, certainly the the the, the idea of taking time off with purpose is a, a centuries old you know concept. But if we think about um, kind of in modern times, it was actually um, Carl Hagler and Ray Nelson in their book, um, the Gap Year American Style, that kind of touch on uh, some of the origination within the UK, um, where we begin to actually hear the the deaf you know that the term gap year um in in that kind of evolved emerged in in the 70s um when an organization called the gap activity projects was was first established and so you know certainly um the brits have been doing this a, a lot longer than, than us in the us and and um there you know they were we kind of talk about the concept receiving sort of a royal approval because we had both prince harry and prince william taking gap years um, and certainly in other parts of the world, like Australia, New Zealand, um, we see gap years, you know, the, the concept um, much more common. I know that you you have affiliations with and an interest in the folk schools, so we can see similarities, you know, with that movement. Um, but here in the U.S., we didn't really see the concept gaining a whole lot of traction until the 
the early 1980s. And that was uh, in thanks in large part to Cornelius Boll, who's kind of considered the the founder, the leader of the gap year movement um, here in the U.S. And he worked as a headmaster and teacher and really saw that need for hands-on experiential type of, of opportunities for young adults. And so well before, you know, the start of the, the advent of the Internet, he worked on compiling um, a comprehensive database and list of of programs um, for students to be able to pursue during this period of um, we used to call it, you know, time off. Now we call it time on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was through that work where really he developed our country's first independent gap year consulting business um, called the Center for Interim Programs, which is still in operations today and, and run by uh, his daughter, who's an, a GYA accredited gap year consultant. And so, you know, during that time, we we talked about our own, you know, journeys well into, you know, the 2000s where, you know, this was happening, but but it wasn't necessarily as it was in those other countries, kind of a, um, as maybe, I don't want to say normalized or, you know, accepted or, you know, it was more the exception than, to, than, than the expectation that a young adult would do this. Yeah, I think as, as a counselor and, and now in this role, I still receive questions from parents and, and you know, just people hear about, about the idea of the gap years of like, it seems like maybe like, you know, you're not really successful in some way. It's really, it's there's something kind of shady about it sometimes, about whether that's that's actually will interrupt your your progress in life and, and, and flow. Um, so that, you know, time time on versus time time out is is, is an important, you know, thing to, to express mm-hmm. to people. Yeah, absolutely, and I think what you just shared is is maybe in a in a bit we can get to some of those those myths that exist yeah. about the gap year because that's certainly one of them. But I'd say we're actually now since that time of of Cornelius Bull's original work, um, I feel like now we're at a place in our our country's you know history where we're starting to say, you know, families and students are saying, why wouldn't I take a gap year instead of what is a gap year? So I th- I think that's the 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 pivot point that we've reached now, where while there still may be some misconceptions and not a full comprehensive understanding of what a, a real quality and intentional gap year experience can be, most people at least have have heard about it now, and and so we are at that shifting point. And then certainly within our own country's history, I think where we saw some additional um, turning points was with Malia Obama's decision to take a gap year, you know, and, and that was hugely beneficial to beginning to see this as a more acceptable and, um, you know, not even acceptable, but like just a consideration for what one might do post high school. Um, and then furthermore, we've now got some of our most prestigious and respected universities in the country, Harvard, Princeton, Duke, who, are strong proponents of the gap year option. And so they they not only allow, you know, Harvard doesn't only allow first year students to defer enrollment, they actually encourage it. You know, so if you if we've got a student listening on the podcast that, you know, is is facing uh, you know, those some of those uh, challenges that you mentioned, Jacob, that maybe the family isn't put supportive of, it's like pull up the Harvard admissions page where it says, Yes, go do do this. We welcome this, you know, a year to travel and pursue a special project or spend work in a meaningful way, and then come join us. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, and, and people think back, you know, if they're if they're older people, remember what they were 
doing when they're 18, 19 years old, right? Like, you know, I think it's pretty clear that that a little bit, a little bit of time, a little bit of life experience is going to make you a better college student. <laughs> Absolutely. And and we have the research at the Gap Year Association to to prove that, to, to demonstrate that. Um, and it, you, you saying that also makes me think about uh, the Gap Year Association's founder, Ethan Knight, who, who put this association together with the help of, of other individuals and created the nonprofit it is today. He, he will often say every college student takes a gap year. It's called their freshman year, yeah. right? It's that first year on campus where you're trying to figure everything out, you know, living on your own for the first time. And, and rather than, um, paying thousands of dollars in tuition to, to be figuring yourself out and living on your own, you know, we can just as easily do that through a gap year experience where that's one of the, the built-in components of that, you know? So uh, just as you said, set, let's set ourselves up to be, it should college even be the next path that gap year students are going to consider? Because I think that's important part of this conversation as well. That That isn't, um, we don't want to also perpetuate the you know that the fact that a student does a gap year and automatically goes to college, there's there's still other life experiences that may might want to pursue. But for those that do, yeah, we we've we've got documentation of, of what we can see the the benefits of that gap year experience being. Yeah, can you say a bit more about that? And that there's been some some kind of pretty hard research about about this in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, so in terms of the research that's out there. We've got, um, you know, the um, a consortium out of Colorado College, led by um, um, Bob Claggett, who's done some dedicated research on on the benefits and outcomes of gap years. Uh, and when, then within the Gap Year Association, we're dependent upon uh, various committees that help us carry out our work. And so we do have um, a research committee, and that's made up of you know, folks in academia and those um, independent authors and researchers and, and folks who are just really interested in saying, okay, what's what's the data behind this? We can talk about this anecdotally, we, you know, all the time. So there's certainly plenty of opportunities for qualitative data that, that talks about, you know, personal experiences of the benefits. But let's look at, at some other, you know, hard data. And so we've, um, out of the Gap Year Association, we have contracted with researchers to do um, two national alumni surveys, one in 2015 and one in 2020. And out of those surveys, um, we hear, you know, over and over, 97% of students report an increase in self-confidence. 82% felt like they had a competitive advantage when applying to college or jobs. 81% said their Gap Year influenced their career choice. And so what the data shows is that after a gap year experience, the, the students who are on that path to college anyway, the majority of them continue that. They go back to school, but they end up outperforming their peers, higher GPAs. They graduate sooner, especially those students. There are opportunities. We can talk about this later as well. That you know, opportunities for students to actually earn college credit while they're on a gap year that can be transferred to, to their next institution. And so, you know, the the data, the data is out there to to kind of um, respond to those uh, when we get those inquiries of folks saying, "Oh, but this, you know, a parent who's worried that oh, it means my my student might not go to college." Yeah, actually, you know, the data say there's a pretty good chance they're going to because their gap year helped them figure out what their interests are, what they might want to study. It helped them explore a career path. They had the opportunity to engage in an internship. 
you know, prior to this. So often I've, I've shared this before, my own experience with, with internships was that they came at the tail end of my college degree um, where I was getting close to, to graduating and uh, with a gap year of oftentimes internship experiences are built in. It's like, gosh, isn't this a great opportunity to, to learn about the field before actually, you know, enrolling in, in the specific program in, yeah. through an advanced degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to underline that, I think you know, I, I started as a teacher and a high school counselor, you know, around 2003, 2004. And, um, you know, at that time, and we would visit college campuses with students and, and just talk about them. It was, you know, it was kind of like, is it, is it okay to tell them that I'm thinking about deferring <laughs> or, you know, thinking about doing a gap year? And many of my students even then were doing gap years, but it was a very alternative kind of a school. Um, so they were thinking about this and I was encouraging them and sharing ideas for what to do. But it was, it felt like a little something you might want, want to mention <laughs> in the process. But now when, you know, we do the same sort of things, it's, it's uh, you know, the schools will bring it up or if we ask about the yes, we encourage people to do that. And so, so colleges really know this, you know, and they, they see it you know, in day-to-day -day basis that, that uh, what, what the research has also shown. Yeah, um, yeah, they see it. And, and I think it's really important to note um, if we want to jump to kind of this, this side of the, the conversation and topic is that kind of gap year to college piece. And I think what's, what's important there is we, we kind of identify within the gap year association, who are the, who are the gap friendly colleges, right? Who, who have, deferral policies that are supportive of a, a student doing this, um, meaning that um, a student might apply, as you were just alluding to, and then make a decision to to want to defer so that they can have a gap year experience. And, and universities will have different policies around this. And so when we talk about gap-friendly colleges, it's those that um, have clear policies about what that deferral process looks like, Will the student be able to retain the same financial aid package that was offered to them if they defer? Um, will they have to reapply for that financial aid? What is the, the credit um, transfer policy? As I mentioned earlier, there's, there's opportunities to earn college credit while in a gap year. So if you were planning on deferring to a university and you're thinking about pursuing a gap year option that allows you to earn college credit, it's imperative that you check in with that, that students check in with that university to see whether those credits will be transferred. There's really strict um, requirements that some universities have that say, nope, zero, zilch. And if you earn any, you're going to come in as a transfer student. And that could harm that that student as a first year admit. And so, you know, the the applying to gap year, uh, applying to college, you know, piece, there's a lot of nuances there. Um, and if this is a, a path that a student who's pursuing a gap year knows that they do want to pursue college. We, you know, there's a few different ways that they can go about this. They can, they can apply during that, during the normal fall time without declaring their intention of doing a gap year. They may just not have decided that that's going to be in their future. Um, they can apply and openly declare as a gap, gap year student. And then that kind of gives them the time to work out those nuances of the university policies um, but then we also find there's a lot of students who say, gosh, like my senior year is is stressful enough just trying to wrap it up and throwing in college applications that just feels like too much. And so they'll actually work into their gap year experience applying to college. Like that's a that's a great gap year activity to be engaged in. Um, there's there's pros and cons to that approach. We know that if they're applying to college, though, when they're still at their high school they have the support of, of people who were in um, 
you know, who serve as college counselors and in, in that role to help advise them. So that's, it's not to say that they can't get that support after high school, but might be a little bit more available during that time. Yeah, just to, to throw in a little pitch for our programs here at Thoreau, um, you know, our, yes, our gap year program, our, our gap semester, which is happening right now, um, that's definitely something that I do with, with our students and, and can draw them on, you know, the experience that I've had as a high school counselor and, you know, these podcast interviews and just, you know, that it's it's a, the, the, the interesting list of, of, of options out in the higher education world is something I really enjoy sharing with students. So, and I imagine that that is something that, that other programs are, are doing as well. There are they're, they're places where people who know about education and can support people in various ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and one thing we haven't talked about yet is is the gap year consultants that yeah. are that are out there that yeah. actually um, help students with with these decisions. So we're we're often familiar with those high school and college counselors, you know, within a in a high school system, and then even. You know, there's there's a, a lot of families out there that utilize um, independent education consultants to help plan those next steps for their students. Well, within the gap year field, we have gap year consultants that that help students say, you know, plan what this period of time is going to look like, so that it is designed in a way that maximizes this this period of time, and that is done so with with thoughtfulness and intention, and incorporates all the different elements and experiences that a, a student wishes to have during this this period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a good segue into the Gap Year Association. Um, so can you talk about the Gap Year Association? Who 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 participates in it and what, you know, what is the scope of the work of, of, of this organization? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mentioned earlier, I, uh, by name, our, our the founder of this association was was Ethan Knight, who um, had actually worked with, um, you know, the the Bull family and had had done his own gap year and saw just the, you know, the background and history about the Gap Year Association. It's still a relatively young organization. So Ethan was doing this work um, back in prior to 2012, but the organization didn't formally incorporate as a nonprofit in, in until 2012. And it was at that time that we saw uh, more and more dedicated gap year programs being offered in, in the U.S., um, a variety of different stakeholders, whether they were high school counselors or some of these education consultants. And we just saw a need to, to bring all these people together so that we can support uh, each of their uh, separate endeavors, but collectively be uniting around this concept of the gap year um, movement. And so when it was established, the, uh, it was originally called the American Gap Year uh, Gap Association, and we're now the, the gap year, just the gap year association, because we are actually international in scope. So we are a membership-based nonprofit that includes uh, gap year program providers, gap year consultants, high school counselors, uh, parents, students, alumni, um, individuals that we just call gap year enthusiasts. So essentially anyone who supports this concept of the gap year option can be a member of, of the gap year association. And so our mission is um, as a community is really to just advance the gap year movement um, through standards of best practice, through professional development, research, resources, advocacy, all with the end goal of empowering more people to access transformative gap year opportunities. So ultimately at, at the Gap Year Association, our vision is, you know, really uh, visions within nonprofits tend to be these, you know, in an ideal world, what would this look like? And in our ideal world, gap years would be widely accessible and, and, and recognized 
as vital to personal, professional, and educational development. So that means they're not considered kind of like an exception or or that it's like, no, really, everyone should do this at the at some stage of their life. And so um, we do um, a variety of different, uh, we try to be in, in a variety of different um, resources and support to all these different stakeholders within um, the gap year field. And one, one important note is that we do hold um, the designation as the standards development organization for gap year education in the United States uh, as determined by the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice. And so what that means is we've been tasked with developing the standards for gap year programs and consultants. And there are opportunities for those programs and consultants to go through a really rigorous accreditation process in which um, at the Gap Year Association, we review their their policies and procedures and operating operations as it relates to just um, their general philosophy around Gap Year education, the risk management components they have in place. And uh, you'll see on our website, we have um, those individuals are de designated with a seal that recognizes them as having reached the highest standards in either Gap Year consulting or or Gap Year um, programming. So. Um, you know, we we welcome, as I said earlier, anyone who who wants to be part of this movement. And for programs like Thoreau College, you all are a Gap Year Association member. We've got um, nearly 110 programs like Thoreau College and others all over, not just the U.S. but throughout the world, who offer huge variety of experiences for for students interested in pursuing a gap year. Everything from, you know, arts-based programs to STEM to the micro colleges, Throw and um, uh, Tidelines and Outer Coast are all GYA members. Yeah. And so uh, what we strive to do is provide a central location on our website where anyone who is interested in seeking out a gap year program or a gap year consultant can find that information where they can download a planning guide to help them plan their, their gap year, where they can view the research that exists. And then we strive to provide just continuing education in, in this field. So for those who are, who are practitioners, we um, are offering an annual conference and uh, virtual learning opportunities, um, a monthly opportunity for those in professionals in the gap year space to connect with their peers and talk about trends they're seeing and brainstorm new ideas and troubleshoot challenges. So in a, in a nutshell, we, we, try, we try to be just about anything we can to, to those in, in this field. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun, um, you know, through this podcast and through this work, we've connected with, with a few um, movement builders and, 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 and kind of meta organizations, um, you know, the, the folk school Alliance, um, the, the springboard organization, which had a, a micro college meeting um, earlier this year is starting to form. Um, and, and yeah, certainly the, the gap year association is, is another one that is, you know, is a group, a movement that's beginning to be aware of itself and, and to, and to support each other. And that's, it's really, it's, it's exciting to see. Um, so yeah, you, you pointed to this and I think I'd love to, to, to talk about, um, you know, to, to go through the, the listing of, of gap year association, GYA members, and to see the kinds of things that are, are being offered there, the things that, that uh, that a student considering a gap year experience might get to choose from is is so fun. It's so exciting, and um, and I think yeah, just uh, I wonder if you could share some of those. What are the what's the range of activities that that you're seeing um, gap year programs offering for participants? 
Yeah, yeah. Great question. You know, it, it actually makes me want to back up just for a moment because I do feel like there's something important we didn't um, discuss yet, and and it will it will address that question, and then also um, open this up further to a wider conversation in recognizing that there are both there's there's programs, but there's also the opportunity for students to self design an independent yeah. experience yeah. that are not just you know program based. That, that's a good um, point. I mean, I just uh, the, when I speak to people about. The, the idea of a gap year, there are two types of like concerns that I get. One is, is it going to slow down my process through higher education? Is it going to make it harder to get into college or to finish a degree? But on the other side, there is the, the also the skepticism is why do I need to, to do something that's structured to go into a program? Like I, when I was in high school or when I was, you know, I, I hitchhiked around and something like that, like the, the structured programs that are offered here is also sometimes new or yeah, people have questions about. Yeah. And so what it, your question made me realize that we hadn't actually done yet in this podcast is, is define what, what, what is, you know, what is the definition of, of a gap year? And so um, I think maybe through answering that question, uh, then we can look at those different programs and then the, you know, the, those other opportunities for uh, self-designing an experience. But at, at the Gap Year Association, we define a gap year as an intentional period of time devoted to personal growth and ex exploration through experiential learning opportunities. And so it's that, you know, last piece, the experiential learning opportunities may be a program, you know, those hundred of hundred or so programs that we have listed on our website, or it could be um, gosh, just about anything that is done with intention and purpose. And that does lead to our personal growth. And so um, there's there's additional nuances in that that definition as well because we talk about it as being a period of time. So there's there's also uh, can be an um, the, the term gap year itself can sometimes be considered a misnomer in that yeah. it doesn't have to be a full year experience. You know your your program at Thoreau College. Yep, the semester. The semester. And we also have some shorter programs too, month long programs and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And so for these programs that we'll, we'll mention, that that's that's the case with them. They may uh, be as short as, as two months. It could be a semester. It may be a full year, you know, experience. And so what that um, kind of looks like, and if we're if we're speaking about this gap year experience more more holistically, we've got that period of time um, and what we consider to be a really um, you know, the most effective or beneficial gap year experience for a student is that it would include three different elements of, of personal, uh, practical, and professional. And so that personal could be pursuing hobbies and interests, which may happen through a structured program or a more independent experience. Practical typically refers to developing life skills. Uh, so, you know, living on your own for the first time, preparing, you know, meals, working out your own travel uh, arrangements. And then the professional uh, is often exploring those those different career paths um, that might be out there uh, for you. And so students can approach a gap year experience in a, in a lot of different ways. Those that are working with um, consultants are having a bit more guidance in, in this, you know, planning this experience. We'll often see that the progression of that gap time is a bit more structured the beginning of a gap year and then progresses towards more independence uh, throughout that. And so that structured piece, um, getting back to your original question, can often come through uh, an actual 
program of some sort, you know, that that may be cohort based. Uh, it might be um, I'm hesitant to like, you know, drop names of our our, our different programs out there because I don't want to leave anyone out. And so, all hundred of I, them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna group them, you know, we we can kind of group them into different categories. There's, you know, those programs that provide international travel and cultural experiences. There's um kind of the outdoor adventure and, and recreation and development of of outdoor leadership skill programs that are out there. There are you know, I, I mentioned earlier those art-based programs, STEM-based um, language immersion. That's a that's a very much, you know, a, a very common gap experience as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I would encourage listeners to to pop onto the GYA website and um, there's a, a tab there with programs, and you can see just the the abundance of structured opportunities that exist. And then for those students that say, yeah, you know what, I actually I like maybe like that could be a piece of my gap year or I'm looking for something just, you know, a bit different. And, and so for those students, um, we'll often, these other ones we've, we've referred to as kind of program-based and um, we might describe the others as more um, self-designed. So it might include independent travel, um, some sort of volunteering uh, experience, either domestically or or abroad. I think that's an important consideration to remember as well that um, a gap time doesn't doesn't have to be involve huge distances traveled and going across you know the ocean to the other side of the world. Um, it can happen closer to home as well. It could be the pursuit of of personal projects, you know, or um, skills, uh, interests that someone, I mean, they've always wanted to learn to throw pottery or learn to play a musical instrument, all of those things. Um, another important experience um, that that we talk about and I alluded to in my, my own experience was that concept of, of national service. And so um, any of those conservation core programs, AmeriCorps service programs, um, those are our are, are gap year experiences as well. So, you know, the, this is the fun part for me, talking yeah. about gap years. It's like, like, we have students building homes, you know, studying coral reefs, learning to surf, uh, volunteering on political campaigns. I mean, the, the options are literally endless. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's something that really attracts me to this work and I really you know enjoy about it is I do think um, these uh, young people, people of this this age group are a vital asset to any community or to, to the world. And... I think that if you look at the the things that people are doing on their gap years, you know, whether it's structured or unstructured, these are these are you know great enrichments to them, but also to many places around the world. And uh, I certainly see that. That's one of the motivations for our project here here in Wisconsin. That students they they they, they dig right into the work. And I think in a rural community, sometimes you're missing people that age, you know. And absolutely, and, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, they're 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 you know they're they're important people. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, whether students are experiencing, just, you know, deciding to do that, that, um, you know, more self-designed experience or, or more program or a combination of both, there's just important questions for them to consider, uh, for, to, to be asking themselves to help determine what, what activities they want to incorporate into this experience. And so some of those questions that we encourage folks to think about is, you know, how much structure and support do I need? Do I want more of a, a cohort base like you have it throughout college? Um, you know, or do I want to self-design this and um, you know, choose not to participate in a, a pre-designed program? 
um, what do they want their living experience to be? Do they want to be living by themselves? Do they want group living? Do they want to have an experience of working with a host family? Um, and then, you know, that we talked about the language piece. Do they interest in learning a new language? What are they just most curious about? Um, are there, what are the places they've always wanted to visit? What careers do they want to explore? And the piece we haven't touched on yet, Jacob, is, you know, what's their budget? Right. Okay. We, we haven't right. talked about the finance piece of, of gap years. And that's that's often one of those uh, things that come up right right away. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, you know, to transition to that, I think, you know, something I really appreciate about the language that the Gap Year Association is using on your website is to emphasize that this is, you know, this has to be student driven, right? Students have to choose, you know, to do this and what to do and to be, and it does seem, you know, a core part of the, the, the purpose is as people, you know, maybe for the first time have an ability to, to shape their own education, their own time, their own activities. Um, you know, ideally you know, with, with some support from their family, but also with the opportunity from support from, from professional, whether it's a program, you know, uh, you know operator or, or it's a counselor or something like that, that there is a way that, um, but it is driven by, by the students themselves. And that's, it's, it's um, also something I see and, and, and uh, you know, enjoy working with our students here as they come into that sense of ownership of their experience. And that certainly is going to help a person going off to college, right? As you, you know, choose your classes, choose your activities and, you know, choose a major, things like that. That's, um, it's great practice for that to, to shape, you know, a semester or a year, you know, of your own time, you know, what to do. Absolutely. What to do. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how, how does this work financially for most people? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in terms of the financial considerations, I, I think one of those myths that we talked about earlier it, for some students who just say, you know what, it's, it's not even on my radar because I can't afford that. Yeah. Right. So there's an assumption that it's going to be an expensive experience. If I'm doing a program, you know, I could be looking at 15, $20,000 for tuition. Um, then that doesn't include in travel to these areas. And so I think what's important to note is that um, just as, as there are endless opportunities for a gap year experience, there is a spectrum in terms of the costs associated. And um, there are actually opportunities for students to be earning income, you know, on their gap experience. So it's not always, um, you know, costs going out. There, there are income generating gap year experiences as well. And so this just runs the gamut from um, for those opportunities that do require larger investments, there's we've got a, a page on our website, financial aid opportunities. So most, most of the uh, dedicated program providers will offer scholarships of some sort. Um, there's outside of the programs themselves, there's other uh, funding opportunities. We actually have one open right now through a, a, one of our partners. Um, so there's um, scholarship opportunities that exist. There are uh, opportunities like we talked about through the national service where students are actually receiving, uh, you know, living stipends um, at, at the completion of their program. They might uh, receive credits to be used towards further education or um, uh, uh, cash stipends for that service. And then there's really uh, opportunities to think through Activities such as as workaways, work exchanges, uh, woofing, um, people may be familiar with, in in which um, students are essentially uh, gap year students are engaging in in 
you know, some sort of, of labor or uh, volunteer work in exchange for for housing, room and board, you know, experiences. So that those are opportunities that certainly make this um, much more affordable uh, when you can trade that labor for accommodations and, and meals. So there's lots of pro uh, platforms out there that help to arrange for homestays, cultural exchanges that just make this, you know, a bit more affordable. And for many students, if, if cost is an issue, it, that opportunity to be working and building up money to save for the components of the gap year that are more expensive are, are naturally kind of built into most gap year experiences, recognizing that that work is for many students going to be a part of this. Um, and there's programs out there that that help students um, through destination work. You know, maybe they're they're living away from home for the first time, U.S. or abroad, earning money for a portion of that gap experience that then they can use to pay for the other their elements of it. Yeah, yeah. So there is, you know, that the financial dimension, and then there's also like a cultural kind of support. I mean, you mentioned in your own story that you're, you know, first generation college student, but had a family who was really supportive of, you know, you joining the circus or whatever you want to do, um, which is not always the case, right? There definitely are, are you know, are, are students who who have families who are, you know, who are concerned about this or, you know, are, um, you know, or just in culturally some ways, you know, this the gap year doesn't fit into, into their idea of success in some way. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, if you have any counsel for students who, who are in that situation. Uh, you know, um, there, so, uh, yes, <laughs> I think that it's, it's so important to find, uh, you know, obviously we, we everyone wants to have that family support and, and they may just not even, you know, the families might not be, could be a big part of this decision or they may not. And so I do think, I, you know, finding those mentors, the folks that that can help them think through these, these different scenarios is so important. And if there are those, um, you know, students that are, are part of a family in which the culture is, there is an expectation that like, no, you, you're, you're going to college. Um, I think that we've talked a bit about that opportunity to be earning college credit while on a gap year, not, not in a, um, you know, a, a traditional institution. And um, for some of those families that may have set aside uh, funds through a 529 plan, uh, you know, an educational savings account for their students, there's there's opportunities to access those funds to pay for a gap year. And so I think that that's often kind of a, a middle point for, for some of those families, right? To say, okay, okay, well, you're so you're going to earn credit so you're, you're still kind of doing the college thing, right? And you can transfer that to an institution later. And the way that works is that um, the gap year programs that are out there that are able to accept those 529 funds have to be affiliated with a school of record that um, that the the you, you know the IRS says, yeah, like, they're eligible to be receiving federal financial aid and these, these different components, maybe a degree awarding institution. And so... Um, through that uh, experience, the, uh, we actually helped to facilitate this for our accredited gap year program providers through a relationship with Portland State University, where we've got academic credit that students can pursue kind of in an independent study type of way, um, clear academic objectives that are outlined in the, the course syllabi, and they can access their 529 funds to pay for the college credits, which are very reasonable, $1,700 for, you know, anywhere from four to 16 uh, quarter system credits. They can pay for the tuition for those programs. And 
Um, and then, so the, the parents were able to, uh, this goes back to the funding piece, they were able to set aside, you know, utilize funds that had previously been set aside and the students can earn those credits and transfer them to a, an institution down the road. Yeah, yeah, that's really important for people to know about um, because I think there are, there's quite a bit of money that that people and people's grandparents and so forth have stashed away in those accounts that, you know, if you have a student who maybe isn't interested in a four-year college or a conventional degree, but is interested in something experiential and travel and service of some kind, um, this is this is actually you know, an important way that they they might be able to access that because people start putting money into those accounts before they have any idea that what the, the interest of the of the kid is going to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's um, it is a great way to utilize those those funds for all the the reasons you just noted. So we've been talking a lot about. Um, 18 year olds and people who are going from from high school into college. And uh, that's, I think, the gap year, the, the word is something that that evokes that that period of life. But as we both know, that's not the only time that a person might take a time off or to to, to take a time out in to do something to change uh, the, what they're doing. Um, what are what, what are some what have you what are you seeing or what what other ways might might people um, you know take advantage of this opportunity in, in different phases of life? Yeah, great question. This is this is coming up a lot uh, in conversations with with folks within the gap year space, and and actually, one of the most common responses I get when I tell people what my job is and who I work for, and and they're you know um, out of that young adult phase, they usually say, "I so wish I I had done that," or "Why didn't I have that experience?" And now more and more people are saying, "Like, oh wait, like." Maybe I, I can do that at, at any stage of life, right? I mean, there's certain, we have to, you know, as, as we get older and we, you know, either have uh, maybe families or mortgages or, you know, jobs that don't support us and just leaving for, you know, a, a period of time, there is some degree of, of privilege that comes with this. But, you know, we, we mentioned early, uh, earlier, we would most often talk about gap time taken after high school and before college or career, but there's a lot of transition points in in life where a person may choose to pursue gap time. Um, and so that might mean um, we can start back within this age group of those students who start college and then say, whoa, wait a minute, this this isn't right. This isn't going where I want. And they kind of step away from that and take a, take a a, a break from that traditional college experience. So um, we're seeing more and more students, uh, more and more individuals thinking about gap time during during college. The case I shared was before, uh, you know, after after college, before uh, graduate school or work. Um, a lot of time, individuals will, will use this type of experience between job transitions if they're transitioning to a new you know, career intentionally build in time for this. Um, I love the stories about families who who basically choose to take a family sabbatical and it's kind of a family gap time, right? Also um, for individuals who are nearing retirement, you know, to, to help decide like, how, how do I want to spend this next stage of my life? And so gap time can, can happen. Um, much as we talked about the, you know, the nuances with what does it, and you, you notice I kind of shifted to the term gap time versus gap year, right? So yeah, we, yeah. we've touched on that notion of the time is, can be fluid and, and the definition of who takes gap time can be um, fluid as well in that what I love about this work and this movement is that I think that really what we're doing is, is just taking, taking time to pause 
and think about life in a way that that examines you know our, our own interests or our our values how we want to contribute to society um and and live just in a more intentional way and i think we ought to all be taking those those moments of pause not just when we're 18 but but throughout life of of reevaluating our priorities and gap time allows us to do that you know, to just kind of step back. We, you know, in, in many ways there were there were some silver linings that came out of, of our global pandemic because it it interrupted, you know, our daily lives in a way that um gave us all time to to really reevaluate some things and and re-identify priorities. And um and it's those kind of silver linings of of that experience that I think also, for, if we go back to this this younger generation, helped to to, to open this door to become, um, you know, a, a more conversation, uh, more more um, in a conversation that was was happening more frequently than it maybe it had been before. Yeah, that's certainly something we saw saw here. You know that that pandemic, you know, year. You know, um, a lot of people thought about the idea of gap year who had never thought about it before, and uh, I know that that's something that that many. Um, programs saw uh, uh, you know, during that period of time, kind of entered in a bigger way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's beautiful words of wisdom there. Thank you, Carrie, for that. Um, maybe just in conclusion, you know, we were, we mentioned that this, that October is Gap Year Exploration Month. Um, and uh, so first of all, maybe you could say a little bit about what, what's happening during this month and how people might find out more about um, gap year programs and, and, and interacting this month. And, and then maybe also what is a, the kind of the, the calendar of the year, if a person's considering, let's say they're a high school senior um, or, you know, somewhere in high school, what, what, what's the kind of annual cycle usually look like for someone? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great questions. So uh, we often, uh, those within the gap year association, we kind of refer to gap year exploration month, GEM, is kind of our our holiday within the, within the gap year space, and so um, traditionally this um, it's kind of like a month long acknowledgement of the gap year option, and we used to actually do it. Speaking of that calendar time, at a different time in the year, and this uh, well last year we made an intentional choice to really engage in 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 identifying October as gap year exploration month because we know that that's a time in which so many of those those students within this age group are applying to colleges, thinking about you know next steps for their college uh, experiences, and we wanted gap year to be right alongside those post secondary decisions. We didn't want it to happen at a different time. It's like if you're thinking about college, think about gap year as well. You've, you, there's options here, and so during this time of, of gap year exploration month. This is is uh, really we're acting asking people to um, uh, kind of three different stages of of engagement they can be involved in learning you know listening to this podcast hopefully folks picked up on some some you know something about the gap year experience they didn't know that they can then share with others so it's we've got learn share act and so during this month we have individuals who are 
sharing their own personal gap year stories. Uh, we've got a storyboard going on our website, uh, just hearing about how how students, uh, uh, people of all ages, experience that gap time. Uh, there's we're asking people to share on their social media sites. We've got individuals who are writing op-eds, you know, in newspapers about the benefits and of gap year experiences. Um, we are inviting high school counselors to kind of do bulletin board blitzes during this month so that students are seeing these opportunities. Um, we're emphasizing just gap year presentations. Um, so doing um, just about anything that we can um, to amplify this message in, in a way that uh, reaches anyone who, who needs to hear it, who has not yet considered the gap year option. So uh, that's that's what we're doing throughout the month of October. So we're super grateful that this podcast is going to be, you know, airing at that time and giving opportunities for folks to, to get involved. Um, and um, in terms of that kind of progression, um, you know, that we talked about, uh, we see that, um, you know, students can 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 certainly be planning that um, gap year experience uh you know, it's 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 happening for for individuals, you know, at different stages um, in in time. But we, as we mentioned, we want to be have them be thinking about this as it coincides with um, the timing of of them thinking about you know preparing for that graduation um, in the spring. I, I think that we will sometimes students experience students who plans. Plans change. They didn't get into their desired school and that. And so we do sometimes see um, this happening in a way that's, um, you know, being expedited in a way that, that isn't as desirable because we want to be giving students that ample time to be planning, you know, this this experience. So it's never too late, but the the earlier that, that students are, you know, making some of these decisions is is it is advised essentially yeah yeah i think it's, it's important to you know as you, as you look through the, the the different programs that are out there you know there there are all kinds of different shapes and sizes and start times for these so there are year-long programs there are semester programs in the spring and in the fall there are shorter programs that are you know there are you know individually tailor-made kind of experiences so it really is yeah. is never too late um yeah and, i mean we you know we start advising you know students in their junior year they can start attending gap year info sessions you know be if they're looking at colleges at time start you know researching those de those deferral policies um so that then by the spring of their senior year they're really in the thick of that um starting that gap year planning um by you know uh, the, that college admissions, you know, uh, in terms of, of when those admission letters are going out, that they're going to be in a position to request a deferral, you know, that spring if if necessary. And then, um, you know, by the summer, they're, they're absolutely finalizing those plans that are going to start up again in the fall um, and kind of finalizing all the, the travel logistics and, and things of that nature. So there is, there is a, a rhythm to it that I would say um, students may be used to in, in terms of following what that progression is like for college. They can they certainly follow a very similar progression in the, the gap year planning. Um, but I also want to be, you know, assure students that it's, it's never, there's, there's, uh, I don't want to say there's not a right time to start this, but it's, it's open. Like don't don't feel like you've missed deadlines or like you you haven't. It's there's there's a degree of fluidity to it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So, Carrie, thank you so much for your time here today with us, and thank you for your leadership and for you know helping people find out about these this really exciting set of opportunities. And uh, yeah, thank you for helping us all keep organized in the gap year movement. Thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate this opportunity. Grateful to everything that that you all do are doing at uh, Throw College, and um, yeah, excited to continue to help grow grow this movement. So, thanks for the opportunity.